I realized that I was completely out of alignment. I came back to, to values and just really simply going, what are my top three to five values at the moment? And then what are the actions that I'm doing to actually live them? And it's pretty scary when you do that and you realize that you're, you know, you think you're this person, you think you value this, that and the other, and it's not embodied, it's not being lived out in your life at all. And so that for me is, it was those two moments of kind of realizing that I was living out of alignment to then pull me back in to end up ultimately where I am now. Yeah. Welcome to wow. Melbourne Reconnect. Uh, we're here with Emma Maidman and we're in the Beyond Rest chill out space and we're going to have a chat about Emma, her life, what she does, who she is. I'm here with Kai Murray-Lowe, the hey, uh, manager of Paran and all-around nice guy. Mm, maybe. It's a bit early for nice guy, but <laughs> sure. Um, Emma, we've got you in here today. Why don't you just uh, open up, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do currently, and then we'll sort of uh, we'll break it down from there. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thanks space for is very relaxing. I feel chill already. Cool. Um, so I am many things. I'm a yoga teacher, a meditation teacher, um, but I'm also a businesswoman um, and I run a few different businesses. So I run a Mindful Morning event series at Greenfields in Albert Park. We're called the Mindful Morning Collective. So that's our home base, Greenfields, but we also work with lots of different businesses to activate different spaces. And that comprises of yoga, meditation, live music and food. We're in our third year. We sort of bring um, people together which has just happened very organically and grew just from a place of actually having a, a real deep intention and why behind the event. And then all of a sudden, three years later, we're still doing them. So I do that. Um, I teach yoga and I run yoga retreats. So I run a business called Ritual Yoga and we do retreats in Bali, um, around Victoria, different immersions and things like that. And the intention behind that is to try and share these ancient wisdom rituals that um, are, are such a big part of the yoga tradition, but make them really accessible to a modern audience so that it is something that you can embody in your everyday life. And then I teach public classes um, at Yoke and at Warrior One here in Melbourne, as well as teaching workshops abroad and around the country. And then I also um, have just started a new joint venture called the Mindful Business Academy. I know everything I do has the word mindful in it. I don't <laughs> it just kind of happened like that, um, which is kind of marrying up my background in PR and marketing. Um, I used to run these event series, uh, these workshop series called Mindful Marketing, and it just kind of happened that now that's formed into a business and we're building an online course that will help yoga teachers, meditation teachers, small business owners in the health and wellness space to really connect with their why, their values, their vision, their purpose and turn that into a marketing strategy. So that's kind of what I do. Kai? No, fantastic. Do you, uh, do you feel lazy all of a sudden? <laughs> I, I, I do. Yeah, I think if, if the roles were reversed and someone asked me that question, my answer would be about three seconds long. I go to the beach sometimes, I guess, you know, occasionally. I do a lot I, of that I, too. I lift some things sometimes and that's kind of that's kind of it. So you kind of make me feel a little bit insecure. But, but even <laughs> even no today, where this is 9 a.m. And what have you done this morning? You're sort of explaining it to us before we turn the mics on. Yeah, so I've just come from the National Gallery of Victoria where Lululemon, so I'm a Lululemon ambassador, just Fantastic. full disclosure. That's why I'm head to toe Lululemon most of the time. Worst um, things to be an ambassador for. Right? So. They're a pretty amazing company. Um, so they're running a 
collaboration with the National Gallery to do these summer sessions um, to offer free yoga classes for the public to come and practice at the gallery, which is really, really special. So I've been there this morning leading a class. Thank goodness it didn't rain. We only had a few little dribbles at the end. So, yeah, that was really special. Did you have much of a much attendance? It is looking pretty miserable. Well, there there was. Morning, so. they told me there was going to be 60 people that were going to come and we had 20. So yeah. it's not bad percentage for a free event on a rainy Friday morning. No, not too, not too shabby. So, yeah, we'll see. Maybe the next one that we do, I'll, like, drum up more interest and we'll actually get 60 people there. When you do those public classes like that, do you find it's a it's – ob- it's obviously a mix of people, mm-hmm. but there's there's one that's hosted at Victoria Gardens, which is, which is just down the road here, and often when we're at the dog park, they'll be having that take place and they'll have, you know, 50, 60 people, mm. dis- disabled people, elderly people. Is that what you're finding with those events in the in the city as well? Yeah, they're very, very mixed level. So you've got people that it's their first ever class and they're just like, cool, I'll try free yoga, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And then other people that just happen to work nearby and see it pop up and think, oh, wouldn't it be cool to do a practice at the gallery? That sounds awesome. So yeah, you do definitely have, you know, some people that don't know what a downward facing dog is and other people that want to be in a handstand the whole class. Yeah. So you just give options for different levels and you can make it as challenging and intense as you like, or you can and, you know, make it a nice, long, deep, stretchy class. It depends, yeah, on where you're at. But that's definitely always the challenge with teaching things like that is that the level is always so mixed. So, yeah, you just have to provide something that caters to everybody. Of course. And, I mean, that I guess that only comes with experience through the practice itself and understanding where people are and how people start and definitely. pieces like that. With Outside of the yoga practice, you mentioned a mindfulness business, mm. which is sort of what attracted us to you to begin with because it, it's it's something it's a similar vein to what we're trying to do now we're getting a lot of sort of corporate people in and trying to you're starting to see those worlds merge yeah. a little bit between business and the spiritual and i think a lot of businesses are taking note on the performance benefits of having staff that aren't stressed out and aren't anxious and do have a yoga practice or meditation practice mm. and things like that yeah, corporate wellness has become a huge business gigantic and not only the, the budget for it is there now as well yeah. financial it's very financially viable for people are you a Approaching businesses yourself, going how, how did that start? How did you how did you transition into the corporate wellness space away from the the you don't want to say basic wellness sphere, but the the more common wellness sphere where you you do yeah. see is not an oversaturated market now, but there is especially around this area. There's there's a there's a ton. You could you know you throw a rock and you hit three different yoga teachers at this point. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's you, done a yoga teacher training. <laughs> exactly. And d- did you find that transition was that? For yourself, was that just so you can stay in that space and sort of make a career out of it or were you called to it a different way? So, like the work that I do with corporates now, um, I go in, like I teach yoga and do different workshops. Um, I've actually run a lot of self-care workshops for different corporates, which is really, really cool that they actually want that. Um, Working in that corporate space, I think for me the difference there is that I came from that background so I can speak their language a little bit more and make these practices that maybe are a little bit more esoteric really accessible um, as opposed to coming in there and starting to sage the whole place and chanting and freaking people out. It's finding that balance of, you know, being able to speak their language and then, you know, provide options that are that are really accessible. And then coming from that background you know, so many people that have left the corporate world have gone and become a yoga or meditation teacher because that's their passion and they feel like that's what was really lighting them up. So they gravitate towards that. And that was definitely my experience. I was working full-time in PR um, and a very, like I call myself a recovering type A, but 
you just made me seem like a really busy person. So maybe I haven't recovered as much as I thought I have. Undercover type. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Pause, pause. Yeah. So you're in the flow. Yeah. You got it going on. You're doing your thing. But it wasn't always that way, Kai. No. No. So Never I want to press rewind. <laughs> and I want to see Emma before you're in the flow. Yeah. And I think. I generally find when you talk to people who are really kind of doing their thing, it's because at one point they really weren't. Mm. So if we can go yeah. back. So we'll to, go back. Let's rewind. So yeah, when I, you were out of the flow, when you were kind of just, I actually started yoga when I was 16 at um, school because there was a PE option to go to a gym instead of doing whatever else you have to do. And I hated sports. So I was like, oh, I'll go to the gym and just talk to my friends. And then they had a yoga class there. I'm like, that sounds even more like a bludge. I'll go do that. So I was just in this yoga class and I just thought, yeah, this is fun to stretch, you know, whatever. And then it kind of became a part of my life, but from a very surface level of as just to the point of, you know, I'd like to be able to be more flexible. Great. I'll go to yoga maybe once or twice a week. So it kind of filtered through as I was at high school as a, as a way of, um, yeah, just kind of keeping bendy was my intention. I, I was never very flexible as a kid. Like people look at my Instagram now and like, oh, you must have been a dancer and you can do all these, you know, foot to your head. I'm like, nope, that's years of practicing yoga. Never had a background in, in movement because I was super lazy. <laughs> mm. um, so it had always kind of been there, but there was this overriding uh, personality trait of, you know, striving, overachieving, you know, wanting to be top of my class, the best at everything. And so that kind of filtered through when I moved down to Melbourne to study PR, very competitive industry. And I was doing internships from the moment that I started because I knew that if I didn't have a couple of years experience under my belt, I would never get a job when I graduated. So I was that crazy person that was working in a bar, working in a cafe, supporting myself, studying and doing three internships and just thinking that was a normal load of work. Yeah. So always on, always super, 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 super busy. Um, and then partying like a rock star, of course, because you know, I'm 18 at the time. And so partying like a rock star always had this kind of um, interest in spirituality and it had always been, I always call it like my hippie things that I would do just kind of intuitively, mm -hmm. but never felt overly called to follow that. And so I continued down that striving career path. Um, and then I was overseas traveling, partying a little bit too hard, probably drinking too many buckets in Thailand. And I got really sick. And I came home and I was still really sick and went to the doctor and they're like, oh, you know, you probably picked up a bug and they just bombed me with antibiotics. A year went on and they still couldn't figure out what it was. And they'd completely ruled out anything from the Thailand trip because I'd literally gotten to the point where I'd been intravenously injected with antibiotics. And they're like, look, there's nothing inside of you that could be living. So it kind of went undiagnosed. And I was finishing my last year of uni. I was working for the Victoria Police Media in their media department, which was awesome. Um, but I was literally working working at, a, uh, working at a cafe as well, finishing my degree, totally crazy, and had gotten to the point where my body had completely shut down. I couldn't keep any food in. My digestive system was just a disaster. I'd lost about 15 kilos. My hair was falling out. I got this crazy infection and almost lost my thumb. Like all this random health stuff happened, and I just kept pushing through. And I remember getting to the point where my mum was like, you've got to move home. Like, we need to look after you. I was like, no, no, I've got this. And the only thing that kept me from completely losing my mind was going to yoga every day. And I was going to this yoga studio that wasn't one of those kind of power yoga, loud music things. It was a very traditional Hatha studio. Mm. 
a lot of yoga and meditation. And every time I got on my mat, there was this voice inside of me going, something has happened that's related to this Thailand trip. And doctors were like, oh, you have bowel cancer, you have this, you have that. Like they thought I had all these crazy things, put me through all the tests, freaked me right out and went, uh, all we could find was a stomach ulcer because I was throwing up every day. And I just kept having this intuitive calling back into myself that there was something going on. And then anyway, long story short, went and saw this naturopath, did a bioresonance test, which is kind of like an energetic testing based on Chinese medicine um, and different frequencies, picked up that I had uh, this weird strain of bacteria and a parasite that were living inside of me, which doctors had ruled out. And back then, this is like eight years ago, the testing for parasites and things wasn't as comprehensive as it is now. So they were dying in all the samples and things that I was sending through. So wasn't necessarily the doctor's fault, but I definitely wasn't being listened to when I was trying to say something had happened in this trip. So she said to me, you've got, um, you've got about seven years worth of work to rebuild your gut. I'm like, oh, great. So I was allergic to every single food um, and I was so stressed out. I was super skinny, super anxious, and but had this kind of calling that, no, I need to do this the natural way. So then I started working in what was my dream job. And I was like, cool, great. Landed my dream job and getting paid to travel around the world. They were a tech startup. So I was managing their PR um, in Australia. And then because they were a tech startup, by the, you know, by a year I was managing Australia and Asia. I was flying back and forth to the Silicon Valley. I was kind of living this dream that I'd always wanted of this high roller lifestyle and, mm-hmm. you know, going to all these cool events and things. And at that time, I was on such a healing journey with my gut that it was pulling me more and more and more into yoga. So I was up at like 4.30 every day, cycling to yoga class, going to yoga, cycling to work, working all day, going back to yoga in the evening and then home and doing it all again. So it became pretty clear to me that there was this pull continually more back towards this practice. And Whilst I, whilst that job was really great at keeping me grounded and giving me um, time and money to be able to invest in my health and to do all the things to start to heal my gut, it then got to the point where I realized I'm actually not living in alignment. And I'd come home from this work trip uh, from San Francisco and I'm like, I'm living the dream that this is everything that I wrote down on my vision boards. This is everything that I wanted and I'm so miserable. Mm-hmm. I was having an anxiety attack every night to the point that my boyfriend at the time was like, can you just go for a walk and then come home again? Because I don't even know how to deal with what this is. Like I was an absolute nervous wreck. And it's because I wasn't living in alignment and I was kind of then living these two lives of this kind of PR striving, you know, events and and alcohol and all that kind of stuff. And then just feeling like this is actually not me and I don't feel at home when I'm that person. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, I need to reconcile the two and bring them together. So um, I remember sitting in my naturopath's office one day and she said to me, she goes, do you think that you might be stressed? And I was like, I'm so not stressed. I do two yoga classes a day. And I'm like jittering as I'm saying that on my fifth coffee. She's like, okay. And so once my gut had started to got better and she realized I was chronically stressed and I had really, really bad skin. If you Google me, there are some really horrendous um, before and after photos on Body and Soul and then on the Daily Mail. It went kind of viral, this article. Um, But my skin was really bad and it wasn't clearing up. And so she did a hormone test and was like, your hormones are so out of balance. You're practically a dude. That's why your skin's so bad. (laughs) Um, Testosterone levels all over the place, estrogen levels all over the place. Um, And I had cysts on my ovaries. And I was like, great, another health thing to deal with. And I realized that 
what I was doing, the work that I was doing wasn't fulfilling me on a soul level. It was causing me so much stress, but I was telling myself this story that this is what success looks like. You know, you got, you got these huge pay rise and you got this and this opportunity and you're ticking all these boxes of what you thought your dream life would be like. And at this stage I was like 23 and I just knew it wasn't right. Um, and so that kind of then propelled me into, using the leave that I had from my work and going and doing a yoga teacher training. And that then continued to bring all of my shit up even more of, of it's one of doing yoga teacher trainings. It's probably why everyone does it because it is a really profound uh, internal dive. And I never thought I would teach. I was just really wanting to learn more about my practice and then realized I actually really enjoy sharing this with people. And so came home from that, quit my job and bought a one-way ticket to Europe and then moved over to Europe with this intention of like, oh, maybe I can do some freelance work, I can teach yoga, you know, it'll be great. Got over there, ended up living in Berlin and slipped straight back into a fear-based mentality of like, oh my gosh, what if my money runs out? How am I going to support myself? Okay, I better get a job. What's the first job I get? Because of the company that I was working for back in Melbourne was so well known in the tech space, tech startup straight away. Boom, here's a job. Here's more money than anyone else in Berlin's making because the wages there are so crap. Um, and because of what I where I'd come from, they wanted me. So I'm straight back into a tech startup. Boom, the cycle continues. Coming home from work every day, miserable, crying, don't speak. Like my German is not great. Nicht so gut. Um, didn't have any friends, living in this foreign city in the middle of winter going, what the hell am I doing? I'm trying to change my life and I'm back in the same cycle again. So left that job. And was sitting in a cafe one day with a new friend that I'd made. And she's like, what would you, what do you really want to do? And I'm like, I want to teach yoga. And I also want to work as a consultant. I want to share my knowledge of PR and marketing in a way that's authentic to really help people. And I'm like, but I'm, you know, I'm a few years into my career. Who's going to listen to me? What do I know about anything? And she's like, I think you'd be surprised. And so I kind of just went home and thought, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. And I had this one uh, client that I'd just been writing blog posts for because I had a kind of a side project blog during all this about food intolerances and recipes. And he's paying me like, I don't know, 50 bucks an article or something and putting them up on this website that was so ugly um, and had no idea about, and this was before the kind of health boom in Melbourne. So I started helping him and I just reached out to him and said, hey, dude, you're paying me like 50 bucks an article. No one's going to read this. That photo is like this tiny little pixelated square, the text all over the place. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I don't know how to do it. Do you? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. He's like, cool, write me proposal. So then I Googled like how to write proposal for a freelancer, made a little document, sent it to him. He was my first client. And then it just spiraled from there that I started working with businesses in the health and wellness space. And it started as very much coaching them on PR and marketing and kind of very strategic based on my background. And then I started to realize working with this one particular client in particular that his values, his personal values weren't necessarily in complete alignment with the business. Yes, he was really had a cold pressed juice company and food business. He was really passionate about food and, and juicing and spreading that message, but he didn't really like people. He didn't really like, he didn't want to really create a community. He just actually turned out one of the lifestyle I was living, which was actually being able to be free and to travel and to do lots of different things. And so I started working with him more on a coaching level of like, what are your values and, and how are you living in alignment within your life? And I'd moved back to Melbourne at this stage and sort of started to see that that disparity between his personal values and the values that he wanted the business to uphold were different. And so we ended up transitioning his business into a completely online model and he sold the store 
And now he's running an online version of that business and also works as a marketing consultant because he realized he was kind of good at it and loves it. And so that sort of opened my eyes to hang on, there's this link between doing what you love, but making sure that the values are really aligned across all aspects. And then how are those values communicated in your marketing strategy? And that's where mindful marketing was born and kind of came from. And so in those moments, just kind of backtracking a bit, in those moments where I realized that I was completely out of alignment, I came back to, a, to a values and just really simply going, what are my top three to five values at the moment? And then what are the actions that I'm doing to actually live them? And it's pretty scary when you do that and you realize that you're you know, you think you're this person and you think you value this, that and the other and it's not embodied, it's not being lived out in your life at all. And so that for me is it was those two moments of kind of realizing that I was living out of alignment to then pull me back in to end up ultimately where I am now and having gotten rid of all the cysts on my ovaries, yay, yeah. um, and feeling a little bit more balanced in that sense. And, and yes, the, you know, there's always a health journey and there's always, it's always a roller coaster to work with, but definitely found a more um, like I'm on the surfboard in the middle of the wave, just kind of coasting along a little bit more as opposed to the extremes that I was experiencing before. Nice. You've got a question. Well, look, it, it always seems to come back to this on this podcast for whatever reason, but gut health. Yeah. I think we don't haven't had a podcast where this hasn't come up at some stage. Mm. You mentioned that it was have you got have you sorted that out now? Do you find So seven or? years. I mean seven years into that healing journey and I actually ate a croissant the other day and I did not get sick. And I know that seems like a weird thing to say, but the reaction I used to have to food post the parasites, like honestly couldn't eat an almond without being in agony and now I'm like eating a piece of gluten and feeling fine and I was like could not believe it. Do you know what you're suffering from? So I had basically I had giardia which was a a parasite and then this other bacteria that I can't even remember the name of and it completely stripped my gut lining so I had no I I had a stomach ulcer I had no lining in my gut whatsoever and had to completely rebuild everything I was allergic to gluten dairy soy like all the sugars, all the things. It's just aggravated. And so for me also it was a a big shift in, okay, do you want to use food as medicine or are you going to take all the supplements? And I did a combination of both, but then I started having bone broth, which was really challenging for me because I'd been a vegetarian for so many years and that was actually a game changer in the sense of starting to really work on building up the lining of my gut again. But stress was kind of the biggest thing that impacted everything hormonally and gut health-wise that for me it was going from just ticking the box of going to a yoga class and actually developing a home practice and a meditation practice that for me I honestly feel like that had the biggest impact on my gut health of being able to rebuild what had been completely destroyed. Well, it sounds like you're sort of you know suffering from success there to a degree, which mm. we see at ton of that through here and all our all our centers there's people need to put a different value on their not only their their health and their mental health and their their gut health and just their free time and their mm. their their own personal space like the amount of people we see that go through situations like you have where you're working 60 hours a week on top of studying while not eating and drinking and a lot of international travel and it, it doesn't take long before that's a complete breakdown yeah and like you said seven years that that's pretty common for, for recovery after – and it only has to take a few years to build that damage up. Mm-hmm. The amount of sort of middle-aged middle-aged men we'll see in here that have all the money in the world, that, mm-hmm. but they're just absolute shells of themselves and they com- they're a complete mess. It only takes 
doing one hour of a meditation in a float tank or they go to a meditation retreat and they come back and when you've actually had a bit of ch- a chance to separate and see yourself from a different perspective, mm-hmm. that, that breakdown tends to be more, more common than people are letting on in this day and age. And mm-hmm. I guess we've had a, a culture of pushing through that. Like it was just, you know, you, you do those long days, you sleep four hours a night, yeah. you get up at 5 a.m., you go to Six the gym, coffees later. you work to 8 p.m., you get home, yeah. you see your kids for an hour and that's sort yeah. of, that's almost considered a noble pursuit at this stage. Well, it's like glorification of busy. It, it is. And yeah. it's sort of like me and Paul were talking about um, universal-based income before you came through the door mm-hmm. and what would what would sort of happen if people were given a lot more freedom, if everyone was sort of given a living a living wage and allowed mm-hmm. to do whatever they wanted outside of that, would people still be pursuing these crazy work days, these 18-hour weeks? I've got I've got a staff member now studying law and it's oh, just it's just insanity what she yeah. has to go through to complete that degree. And there's there's no way that's beneficial for anyone, mm-hmm. I guess. And it, it, it's such a I, – I think it's going to be a very sort of 2000 and – 2020s, you're going to start seeing this really boil to the surface. You've got a lot of people like you that are starting to sort of, you don't want to say wake up, but there are a lot of people that are starting to wake up even midway through their courses now, whether mm. university dropouts in uh, Australia are the highest they've ever been by a large margin mm. at the moment. So people are getting through these degrees and realizing that's not fulfilling at all. You not, I guess what I'm trying to say is the that, that sort of culture that developed in the 70s, that sort of just work hard, yeah. raise a family culture is sort of starting to be exposed a little bit, I guess. Yeah. And it takes people like yourself and bring that sort of thing to the surface in, in business settings. Like you, you'll find if you if you are bringing that, those practices into a corporate space, you you will find people start pursuing that themselves. They will, they maybe will take a few of your classes and mm. consider going to a yoga teacher training and mm. really sort of waking waking your community up yeah. I guess, which is it's it's such a noble pursuit, but you are starting to see a lot of people chase that now, not only for themselves, but looking to sort of expose that to to other people around Melbourne. Mm. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. Well, that. I think that people have lost that fundamental connection to our humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about, we were hunter gatherers and we lived in a tribal environment where our sole purpose was to stay alive and support the tribe. And, you know, your status was based on what you were giving to that community um, as opposed to what you were acquiring. And then it's like that's kind of our biology and then boom, we've you know, this, there's all these evolutionary theories, the evolutionary breakdown theory and this, that and the other around it. But now we're in this environment where we're, we see more strangers in a day than we ever would in a lifetime in our hunter-gatherer thing and yet we're totally disconnected from them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why yoga and meditation is starting to and, and even floating. Like people are starting to come into these practices that starts to connect them back into themselves because they're realizing that acquiring stuff isn't leading to fulfillment. And, you know, those people that you're describing that come in here that have all the money in the world and all the things and they've ticked the box of the wife and the kid and the dog and the giant house and the mortgage and the car and they're like, I can't get any more stuff to make me feel any better because mm-hmm. I haven't done that inner work of, of feeling that connection and fulfillment from within. And so that to me is kind of what I've found to be the most profound thing is coming back to that realization that everything is actually already within and that health is your wealth. You know, like I think when you lose your health and you get to that point of complete breakdown, like, you know, I remember being in the shower, just pulling my hair out, literally chunks of hair falling out, just kind of being like, holy shit, like this is bad. And I'm pushing through. I'm still getting up at 6am tomorrow morning to do all the things the hell is wrong with me but you can't stop it's this it's an addiction to being busy 
and it's running. Like for me, I was running from a lot of internal shit that I needed to sit with and process, but that busyness distracts you from actually working on that and connecting into that space and, and feeling something. One of my teachers always says, you have to feel it to heal it. And people don't want to feel. We just want to numb. That's why we take drugs. That's why we party. That's why we distract ourselves with all this external stimulus because sometimes feeling things isn't the most pleasant of experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and it's always shocking to me how surface level some of that stuff, like that breakdown for a lot of people is, o- is only half an hour of sitting quiet by yourself below the surface. Like it only, it only takes them, again, jumping in one of our float tanks. They for a lot of people, they might not have sat still for 20 years. It might have yeah. been a decade since the last hour they took where they just sat and looked out the window and did nothing, actually contemplated things and thought things through properly. And it only takes – you go to you go to a basic big, uh, meditation for beginners class and you, you often see people get quite emotional in those because that's all, all it took was for them to actually reflect on their lives for 20 minutes, half an hour, and yeah. all of a sudden it's a, it's a total catastrophic breakdown because you realize the mess mm. you've put yourself in. Um, yeah, and that you've actually created that. Like, I think we forget that particularly living in this country, we have the power to create our own lifestyles mm-hmm. and we create our own suffering because of that. So I can imagine someone getting into a pod who's never hasn't sat still for 20 years. I could, that would be really intense to float in that environment when it's dark and or whatever. It's like, I'm not sure if you guys have music or whatever, but yeah, being with yourself is really, really challenging for a lot of people. Like actually going into that space of being is, yeah, and that's why you see a lot of people get emotional because they haven't, they've lost that connection. And then often what happens is, whoop. That's okay. That's all right. Option what happens is, is you find that connection again and then you realize that it's not a, your actual whole life is not in alignment with that internal connection and then there's kind of like okay you've woven this tapestry together of who you think you are and what you think your life should be and then suddenly that tapestry starts to dissipate and you have to let it break to then refuse it into something that which is you know a conscious choice for you to create and that I think is what's confronting to people because particularly I mean I don't have the experience of having kids or a spouse but I can't imagine what that would feel like to wake up at 45 with the job the kids and all that stuff and then go oh shit I'm completely out of alignment I have to rework on my tapestry it's really really daunting yeah you know and that's why it's so amazing that there are teachers and practices and things out there to support people on that journey because it's like it's like anything you can't just change it overnight like this has been a a seven-year healing journey for me Mm. it hasn't you know you can't just fix something in in an instant yeah yeah and i think it's important to to realize that like life's always trying to point you in the direction of what needs to be healed in yourself and our body is the closest thing that we have to show us where we yeah, need to look. Totally. Like the body's said, the gateway. You described it before. You said I had a lot of internal stuff to deal with and you had parasites. Yeah. So it manifests think, externally. Yeah, always. I think people, I think we need to take more, all of us need to take more responsibility for our health and our bodies, but not just looking for what supplements we can take, but mm-hmm. actually coming to an understanding. Unless you can take any supplement in the world, but it's not going to heal you all. It may temporarily, but you'll just find it morphs into something else mm. unless you come to the underlying issue which is what's my body trying to tell me you know it's not just bad luck that we get these things i'm not talking about these things that we come in if we if we're missing an arm all these things that we come in with a birth defect but mm. the things that manifest through our life my thoughts only could mm. be you know no one has to believe me but our body's constantly 
a feedback mechanism for how we're dealing with our life, how we're dealing with ourselves, what's going on with our relationships, what are we looking at, what are we purposely not looking at. Mm. So um, if you really want to have a look this is at great what's book, going um, on in The you, body is the barometer for the soul. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, I think I've heard there's so many books about them and I think there's no hard and fast. I'm not necessarily an advocate of this issue equals with this. your left shoulder yeah. equals this. Everyone's unique. Everyone, yeah. if you really want to have a look, you'll get an understanding just by sitting. And for me, it's very immediate. If I sit down and create some time just to let feelings, emotions, thoughts come up, mm -hmm. if I really kind of let it flow through me, I'll start to feel mm -hmm. where it is in my body. So I think um, it's important that we use yoga, supplements, floating, whatever, but don't lose side of the fact that um, or don't fall into the sort of thing that I'm not responsible for what's going on here. Um, well, you have to do those practices. You know, it's like you can outsource pretty much anything in life. You know, you can outsource who makes your food, who drives you to work, even supplements, like how you're getting your nutrients. You can outsource it and just take it from a bottle. But you, when you're doing a practice like a yoga or meditation or even just sitting with yourself, you have to do it. You have to show up. And if you don't show up, you can't outsource it. No one's going to do it for you. It's like you have to commit to doing the work. And for me, like what you were just describing then of being able to sit and listen, that's something that I love doing just after a meditation. So after I've moved into that kind of quieter, more just like simple space of pure awareness, like moving into that natural state within to then sit after that and, and, and having cleared, you know, the hustle and bustle on the phone and all the distractions and going, okay, what's my body trying to tell me? And you always know. And sometimes for me, like going through that parasite journey, it was telling me the whole time, something happened when you're in Thailand, you need to listen. They're telling you this, that, and the other. It's not the case. But I was not confident enough in listening to that intuition. So I ignored what I knew and listened to all the external voices around me that were this direction, this test, this thing, you know, thousands of dollars later, the answer was exactly as I thought it would be. And so we ignore what we know all the time. And it's so easy to do because sometimes what you know means that you have to make a big change. You know, I've, I've had that before in a relationship where you, you've, you know, you're in a pretty long-term relationship and you realize, oh, this is out of alignment. And then you ignore it for a year, you ignore it for two years. But it, it, na nature, like, will continue to try and guide you in a direction. And if you don't, like, I, I see it from a perspective of if you don't, there's these destructive forces that will come in and try and dissolve what's no longer relevant. And that's where it manifests in sickness or your body's trying to communicate or you're like, why does all this stuff just keep happening to me? It's like it's trying to tell you something. Mm -hmm. Like I kept getting fines for, like, going through red lights or speeding and I'm like, oh, man, I'm about to lose my license. I should probably slow down. I should probably not be so late all the time, like really simple surface level lesson, but you're constantly being taught lessons, I believe, and and sort of being guided towards understanding yourself and being able to fully realize your potential and how you're contributing. You know, in yoga, we call it dharma, your role in the natural evolution of the universe, how you're contributing back to the universe, but also living in alignment with yourself. Um, those answers are always there, but you have to be willing to listen. And that's not always the case, I think. Mm. No, it's almost we've sort of been conditioned to not listen to a degree, um, sort of going back to what you were saying before about outsourcing everything. And, that, and that's, I've never really thought about it like that, but you, you can literally sit at home now and get 
anything you want delivered, anything made for you, someone to pick you up. You can even get your car fixed without leaving your house yeah. now with a, with an app. It's getting to we, we're getting so far removed from what's normal and natural. Everyone seems to be getting sicker, more anxiety, and not correlating the two seems mm. silly at this point. Like going up, my parents live in Coffs Harbour, so over Christmas, oh, yeah. go up to Coffs Harbour, you go to the beach, you sit in the ocean, you get some sun, and generally feel genuinely sorry feel twice as happy when you get back like being just being in the ocean being in the sun being in that clean water cures a lot of that depression cures a lot of that anxiety that internal chatter is reduced and even mm-hmm. if i'm floating regularly or meditating doing yoga or anything like that there's still a certain level of sort of muck built up on the soul almost just mm-hmm. from living in a city not mm-hmm. not being able to see the stars never having a breath of fresh air yeah. You know, what? just taking the dog to the park and taking my shoes off and walking through the grass, you, you feel better afterwards. But that's always, that's almost, more recently it's getting more popular, but for a period there, for a period of 20 years, that was almost mocked. Like that would be considered sort of hippie nonsense. Yeah, and totally. You're the crazy guy with taking off his shoes at the park. Yeah, you go to Byron <laughs> Bay and everyone is ecstatically happy. Yeah. You go to Lanark's Head, everyone is ecstatically, anyone that lives on the beach, generally a happy Go lucky yeah. people, and they and all swear black and blue. But they, none of them will move from there. Yeah. You try and move my parents away from the ocean; it's never going to happen anymore yeah. because there, there is something calling us there that I guess has been, for whatever reason, is getting suppressed. Mm-hmm. And whether that's you know, if you want to go full pharmacy conspiracy, and you know, it's all big pharma trying to trying to shut down natural therapies and mm-hmm. things like that, or if it's just dis- technological distractions and sort of being able to satisfy a lot of those needs in other ways, you know, scrolling through Instagram or whatever it happens to be to get those dopamine hits. Yeah. Well, you can't sell looking at the horizon. You can in the sense of maybe it's a nice view from somewhere, Mm. but the beach and that experience of, of, like you said, walking with your feet barefoot, all that kind of stuff can't be packaged up. It's not commercial. No. It's just something that you can do at any time. Mm. Go and sit on a beach, feel the sun on your face, feel connected to something greater than your busy life that you feel is like so important and so stressful. And then you have those moments where you sit on the beach and people go on holidays and all of a sudden they're a completely different person. And then they don't know how to integrate that when they come back home because it's like, oh, that's just holiday me for four weeks of the year. And then for the rest of the weeks of the year, I'm the crazy busy guy doing all the things. And that's the conditioning. And that's the conditioning. And that's normal as well. Like it's not normal yet to be that person. It's becoming increasingly um, like, you know, self-care and that whole buzzword around that is actually, I think, a really great thing in the sense of it's making people aware of like, oh, yeah, what am I doing to look after myself? And it's it's still an industry and in that people are like, oh, cool, it means I'll book a massage or whatever it is. But self-care can literally just be taking your shoes off, walking through the park, connecting, connecting with nature. You know, biologically, that's what we did. We lived as hunter-gatherers. You know, we were out in, we were communicating and taking our information from the stars, from the sun. And so, like, I always find it really interesting when um, around the full and the new moon, how affected people are by it. And I know this because I'm teaching classes all the time. Mm-hmm. People come in and like, oh, my gosh, I didn't sleep last night and I feel crazy and this has happened. And I'm like, yeah, it's a full moon today. Oh, it makes so much sense. Like our bodies are 75% water and you think about what the moon does to the ocean, think about what it does to us. And it's amazing that you can still feel that even living in a city and being, you know, in your house or your apartment with layers upon layers protecting you from the outside world, you're still affected by nature because we are that and that is us. Like it's all, I believe it's all one thing. We're just shutting ourselves off from feeling connected to it. Yeah, I think um, 
Again, there's plenty of people that would laugh at the notion of the full moon affecting people. Yeah. yeah we have police officers coming here and they'll tell crazy stories oh, yeah. about what happens on a full moon. The police put more staff on, on <laughs> full moons. And you're, you, but you'd be crazy to assume that it, it, it's raising tides and changing the oceans and things like that. That's, you'd be insane to think that wouldn't have an effect on human anatomy when we are 75% water. Mm. But again, you went and, if you went and told that to my parents, for example, they'd, they'd laugh at you. It'd, yeah. be, it'd be complete nonsense. Meanwhile, you know, they're popping Xanaxes and things to get get through those periods. Yeah. So it's uh, – people tend to it, – it seems like there's a shade that's been pulled over everyone's eyes and whether that was, you know, an intentional shade mm-hmm. or that's just sort of comes – that's just par for the course or where we are now. Yeah. It's it's good to have people sort of exposing exposing that, you know. It's it's just it's – a, it's a good spot to be in and even, even for your own self mm. – spiritually outside of any of the other yoga practices you do or any of the ceremony around it just exposing people to that is you want to say good karma but it's it's just got to be good for the soul you know yeah. it's, it's going to bring things back and it does no damage like there, there's no one you're it's not like you're pushing booze on them or anything no. like that there, there's almost no, there's almost no way you can overdo it like no. you, you don't see i mean i guess you do you go to some yoga classes and you will see people that are taking it too seriously but for the most part you don't see anyone pushing it too far with the yoga you don't see anyone doing too much meditation it's a very yeah. safe way to approach this as opposed well, you to you can go too fast too deep but Sure. <laughs> I've seen that happen to people where they've opened themselves up to doing all the practices and all the things and they haven't given themselves time to integrate mm-hmm. and it becomes very overwhelming. But on a whole, it is, sure. yeah, it's a very safe thing to do that's much healthier than going out and just doing shots all weekend. And, you know, there's free yoga classes at there's the gallery free classes in the morning. There's, the there's ones in the park here. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it is accessible. It isn't just, you know, that is one of my internal conflicts in the business of yoga is that, you know, some dropping classes are $35 for a class. Like not a lot of people either have that money or value it. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it is challenging because, you know, I, it, we do live in a capitalist society. You know, money is our energetic currency at the moment, whether we like it or not. We can't feed ourselves without it unless you have a really sick, epic urban garden situation. But realistically, we need money to be able to fuel our lifestyles. And so I think it's really, really important that companies like, you know, like Lululemon and the NGV that have a budget behind them can offer free opportunities for people to experience these practices. And then technology has also been amazing for that. There's so many free, like One Giant Mind, um, Insight Timer, all these really great apps that make meditation and these practices free and accessible to people. And almost because they are on an app, then people feel like it's a little more normal mm-hmm. um, to be interacting with their phone, which is something they do all the time, but then it's teaching them a practice. And I always see that stuff as kind of the gateway drug. Like hopefully if you do the free online meditation app, it then sparks an inquiry within you that's like, oh, I had this experience. That's interesting. I want to find a teacher or I want to go deeper. I'm going to start to read some books around it or whatever it is, but it sparks an inquiry that brings you then deeper to want to start to ask those why questions and to then ultimately end up feeling more connected to yourself and the people around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it takes time. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with all of the stuff we're talking about. I don't think that, I think we need to be really careful just not to judge ourselves and um because it's okay to be disconnected it's okay to be completely lost it's okay to have no motivation it's okay 
if that's why we're here because like to to feel flow to feel connection to feel all of those emotions that come with that you need the contrast of not feeling like that yeah so i think it's really important that we're talking about melbourne reconnect we're talking about being connected just as relevant as being reconnected and i always seem to 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 talk about that point because I think a lot of the people who are going to talk to this are going to be in either feeling disconnected or oscillating between the two, mm. as we do. Mm. I'm not connected totally. all the time. I feel I was happy this morning. Mm. Sometimes when I walk in, I'm, I won't say anything because I'm pissed off or I'm annoyed. It's like through the whole thing, as I've said before, I think it's really just important, so important to just be yourself through the whole thing because mm. that is going to be the most important. You're going to move forward with the highest level of um, integrity when you're being yourself through the whole thing. Um, and that includes when you're completely out of whack. Totally. And I think the way that you've talked about things, you're passionate about bridging those worlds in yourself. What I really like about what you're doing is that I think it's so easy to fall out of marketing, going for the huge, and there's nothing wrong with going for the huge, huge house and the flashy car, nothing at all. I think, the same trap is completely, I love nice things. Yeah, completely <laughs> dropping out of society to the other way exactly. where you're too cool for that. You, 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 you want to be on the fringe. Oh, no, I'm not interested in money at all because I'm too cool for that. I'm just going to do yoga mm-hmm. every day and never earn a living yeah. and just eat raw. Mm-hmm. Cool. I, I don't care. Either one of them is just yeah, – I, I actually don't favor the yogi over – the complete yogi who's not involved in society mm-hmm. over the person who's completely caught up in – materialism mm. i like what because you're, you're passionate about bringing those things together you want to f- you you want to funnel your energy and your passion um into the things that matter well, i want to make it relevant yeah. like i was in india beginning of last year and i was you know sitting in a cave meditating for three hours and just living my best yogi life and it's like this is really attractive it would be so much easier to just stay here and have all these cool spiritual experiences and learn from all these teachers and whatnot but then uh, for me, that doesn't feel like it's. it would ultimately not fulfill what I feel like is my calling is that I, I'm also having a, a human experience. That's what I think we sometimes forget once we get down the spiritual path. It's like I'm this spiritual being and I'm going to do all the tantra and like that stuff's awesome. But you're also in a human body and you're having a human experience in this lifetime. Maybe in the next lifetime you are some you know, extraterrestrial being, whatever. But right here, right now, you're in a human body having a human experience. And that's why I think yoga asana, the physical poses, is so amazing because it works with the physical body. It works with what we have now to feel something, to find connection and to understand. Like most people don't understand their bodies. They don't know their left from their right. They don't know what, you know, it's not necessarily about knowing where your anatomy is, but even just knowing where you feel something or where that pain's coming from, where it refers to. Like the body I see is this like beautiful gateway to finding that connection. And as well, because like as we've been talking about, disease manifests in the body. So for me, it's always bringing it back to having a human experience. And, and you know, I see this a lot. There's this there's this debate about social media. Social media is making us so disconnected and we're just scrolling Instagram and this, that and the other. And it's like, yeah, totally agree. I always have my little timer on, like you spent too much time on Instagram today. It locks you out. Love that. But at the same time, it's connected me to, so that's how, that's how we connected. It's connected me to so many people. Um, 
just in a different in a different kind of context and it's also these people that I think then that renounce that and they're like oh Facebook's the devil Instagram's the devil I don't want anything to do with that I'm going to completely renounce the world it's like well that that's where we are right now we're in this society so you can choose to be a part of the pulse of the city and maybe march to the beat of your own drum a little bit and try and encourage some people to kind of you know follow along with that you know slightly offbeat movement but yeah, completely going the other way as well is is not going to have any impact. It might be better for you and some people are suited to that. Some people it's like, you know what, you need to just go and live on a farm and meditate in your cave and that's your contribution energetically to the world, epic. But for most people it's going, okay, how do we find a way to integrate this knowledge so that it's actually sustainable for the world that we live in? Because it's like healing your gut. It's not going to happen over overnight. We know our planet's in trouble. We know we need to do a lot of things to change. It's not going to happen. It, it's it's going to happen like our kids, 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 kids. You know, it's a, it's a long-term strategy. So it's like what are we doing now to start to kind of prepare that so that we can move towards a better planet and, and you know, like this whole plastic-free movement and all that stuff that's happening now is happening because people are choosing to go, all right, I'm awake, I've realised something and I'm going to make this relevant to the audience, to the people that we're living with um, in the world to then shed that message, share that message rather, and actually have an impact as opposed to just going, ah, oh, it's all too hard and everyone sucks and, yeah, renouncing the world. Mm. <laughs> For a whole lifetime. I think everyone goes through periods. Oh, yeah, we all have periods. Go through periods and, and there might be long periods. I know I've yeah. done it in myself where you really need to withdraw. It's like a cons- fill expansion, up. contraction. Mm-hmm. But I think it's still important to value our friendships, value Mm. what's on our doorstep and just value the human experience and that's where i think as well sometimes particularly in spirituality we take ourselves so seriously and it's like any great master that i've ever met like in india or anywhere in the world they're like children they are just cracking jokes laughing like when they sit down and and give a discourse the knowledge they're sharing is like boom mind-blowing life-changing amazing but they're joking around like they're not taking themselves seriously they're enjoying their human experience you know they're like oh look at this delicious cake i'm gonna eat it like it's only if it's raw. Though. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it, whereas for so, so many of us are like, oh my gosh, it's not raw, vegan or organic and like I'm so stressed now about this, that and the other and not actually enjoying your life. Like play, be joyful. Like I love doing acro yoga as a way of connecting with people and playing. Like we… we yeah, what's this? What's acro? Uh, yeah, what it's is really it? tell fun. Us a bit about, tell us a bit about your… How long are we going for time? Yeah. How long? <laughs> Ten? Ten? Cool. Great. Tell us a bit more about acro and acro. what's yeah. your… You told us a bit about your businesses, but what's your kind of way? So, so when I teach yoga, pre- predominantly I'm teaching because it's what everyone does here is vinyasa. Um, my style's a little bit different in that I don't necessarily just repeat flows. I like to keep it creative so that people are moving in different ways to find different things and unlock different energetic centers within their body in a, in a way that I feel is maybe – like you know creating an for it's still fun there's still a bit of joy I might crack a couple of lame jokes like it's accessible um and then I teach meditation and then acro yoga which is one of my favorite things to teach because it is so much fun so it's partner-based practice that's kind of combined acrobats uh, acrobatics um, the acrobats that I know are going to kill me for saying that it's combined acrobatics with yoga um and Thai massage so there's a therapeutic element to it as well cool and basically, it's a partner-based practice where you, you know, you'll often see if you see photos on Instagram, it'll be someone laying on their back with their legs up and some pretty girl floating around on their feet, more or less. Um, but it's 
it's such a uh, practice of connection and of figuring things out together. Like, okay, cool. How do we get from here to here without dropping someone on their head? And the whole intention behind it is like, if you're smiling and having a good time, you're doing it right. So it's playful. It's it's been a it's an amazing tool to teach. I've taught a couple of corporate workshops around it as well, which has been hilarious. But of watching people drop down those walls of taking themselves so seriously and striving to be the best, and I will do the you know the most epic version of this thing, and then realizing oh this is actually really hard. And the thing that's really cool about acro yoga is that you are encouraged to do both roles, so to fly, to be the person up in the sky, and to be the person on the bottom. And what that does. Uh, is create kind of an empathetic experience where you, you know, because when you can be laying there on the floor and the person's on your feet, you're like, oh my gosh, just lift your chest up. It's not that hard. And then when you have to do it, you're like, oh, this is actually really hard. And so you start to then develop empathy of like, okay, how can I best support you to find this shape? And how can you best support me? So it becomes this beautiful give and take. And you can always tell when there's a couple they're doing acro yoga together, particularly for the first time, because they're speaking to each other so terribly. You know, it's like, Steve, oh my gosh, put your foot there. How many times have I told you? At each other. Whereas when you see two strangers, there's a lot more kindness in their communication. They're like trying yeah. to be patient and, okay, it's the 10th time I've told you, but your foot's kind of kicking me in the gut. Could you just move it? It's And so it's a really interesting practice to then also look at that and go, okay, how are we communicating with each other, particularly within a partnership? How do we actually come together as partners and co-create something epic? One role isn't more or less important than the other. So it kind of as a practice becomes this beautiful mirror for relationships, whether it's with a stranger that you're trying to, you know, work, you can mirror it in through a workplace or through an intimate relationship of how are we co-creating something and both bringing our best selves to the table to create the best collective outcome as opposed to this is just me doing my thing and trying to be the best at it. It's a collaborative approach. Nice. It sort of makes yoga a bit of a, not a team endeavor, but yeah. I think, that, no, I think that's, a, that's a great element. To, do you want to do a class together? Add to it. I mean, should we do some acro? Imagine that's <laughs> my, my balance, dude. There's, it'd it's be, okay. It'd be, it'd be I'll be rough. gentle with it's you. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, to get through a shavasana. How old are you? How old am I? I'm yeah. 27. 27. Last questions, Paul. <laughs> no, no, because you told me you were 16 and then you said you were 18, so I was kind of piecing the timelines together. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm turning 28 this what's year. What's paint me your dream life when you're 33? What does that look like? Um, still kind of doing what I'm doing, just maybe like the next evolution of that. So I think we're constantly in this state of evolving. Um, you know, I'll, I'll hopefully be running more retreats. I feel like retreats are a really amazing way. Like I've done a few of them now and particularly in Bali when you're practicing in a shower that's kind of indoor-outdoor. So there's so much greenery. I do them in Ubud. There's so much greenery that you're just, boom, you're suddenly connected to nature. People are doing all these things we've been talking about in this week-long experience of rediscovering themselves, realizing that they were disconnected. And then my real passion is then trying to empower them to go, don't just take this retreat experience as like an epic holiday and go home and forget it. How are you going to embody this stuff and bring it home? So that's something I'm really passionate about. Um, I'd love to have my online business up and going and, and kind of ticking along by then, with, um, which is lots of different. So that's the Mindful Business Academy. Cool. So being able to provide ways to show people how to actually make a, an income and a business out of, you know, whether it's a yoga teacher or a massage therapist or whatever it is. But I think the way we work is shifting towards everyone being their own little micro economy. And so I'd like to be able to support people within that because that's what I've been doing for, you know, the last for five years now that I've been kind of freelancing and whatnot. Um, and then at one point I'd really like to write a book. 
I feel like that's something that I've, I've, I do a lot of writing for Body and Soul and Urban List and these kinds of things and writing something that I get always continually called back to. 38, I reckon. Yeah, I don't know if that's by 33. Yeah. I also... 11 you know, more years of I, I feel like, yeah, that's, that's more like 40-year-old me. Yeah, 38. Um, and I also think by 33 I'd probably be thinking pretty seriously about having some kids. What? Oh, yeah. Nice. So, you know, it's just, just cramming a lot into the next yeah. year. <laughs> it always makes my palms sweaty as soon as anyone brings up. Are you going to have kids? No. How old are you? I'm 30 now. Oh, no, I'm not. You know, you're 30. never going to have kids? 20, uh, it's... So, it's how old are you? Just almost just 30? almost 30. My partner's 24, 25 now. And it's just, it's never... I've never even enjoyed being around kids. Like, and I've never met Good anyone's honesty. child. Good honesty. You know, people say, what about I was the what same, about though. So you know, you hate him. I've never met him. You hate him. <laughs> you never met him. I, I don't Wild think. accusations are being so it's made. Not a hate, but it's, it's never, <laughs> I, I've never had those clucky feelings. You know, I've never been around a baby where I've actually like, oh, God, I want to hold that baby. It's always just been, that looks fragile. And it smells funny. Like it's, it's never, <laughs> I've never good. had Babies that. Babies smell awesome. Babies smell amazing. I, and I don't know whether that's just missing or if, if it's going to click over one day. Like getting getting the dog recently, I thought, okay, this might be the beginning of taking care of something. But all I found was, I, like I, I love him to bits and he's the best thing we ever did. But Is if this was a human, Mo. Mo. It does sound like you're speaking about a kid. Like, you know, when you hear those dads that are like, look, I love my kids, but. Love my kids, but. He's love of my life. But if that was a human child, I wouldn't be coping right now. Like, Sophia's gone away for two weeks and it's our household is chaos and I've got a dog to take care of and myself and that's it. And it's still chaos. So that, that's obviously something I've got to work on. But the, the, the urge has never been there. And I, I really don't believe that bringing kids into the world just for the sake of bringing kids into the world yeah, is a good idea. For I sure. think that's a, that's a it's not terrible thing to do to them. And it's not a lack of responsibility or anything on my part as, as much as it's just I, I don't know if that's my path. I just, I just never felt like that was something I was built to do, you know. Mm. I've always liked to be quite nomadic and moving around quite a lot and it's, it's never never quite clicked for me. So, yeah. Not yet. And it might never. Good. I love how honest you are about no, it. Mm. Um, you know, I don't think it's a requirement, I guess. And it's not. I just think you don't want to do it because you think you should do it. No. It's good. Um, you were talking about before about you said my main values now, mm. which implication is that they're fluid and that they change as, you know, do what I, I want to yeah. know what you are. Give me your top three so values at the moment. Values, I think, are something they don't necessarily change, but your focus will be on different ones. So I sort of sit down and write out and there's usually like 10 that I'm like, cool, this is what I value. And then top three, top three. Continual, continually come back to authenticity, community and connection that I kind of – um, marry together and then love and freedom again that I marry together because I think love as a concept is so free and expansive in its nature and it's free you know it, like the, when you think about the heart chakra the anahata that that word actually means the unbound so it's this completely unbound thing and yet it's completely we continue to shackle it and lock it in so for me love and freedom is kind of like one in the same um, and then community connection that comes back to my, the way I live that is through collaboration. Every business I do is a collaboration, every kind of event and things like that. It's always pulling together different people and going, cool, you're the best at that. You're the best at that. You're the best at that. Let's come together and make epic magic happen together as a community. Perfect. Look, we got to, um, wrap this up shortly, but I'll just hit you with one more question. Oh, can I jump in? 
Okay, quickly before yeah, the yeah, big. Yeah. This is the big question. Oh. Um, I want to know two things that you don't that you're not comfortable with about yourself. Your least Ooh. two favorite things about yourself at the moment. Least two favorite things yeah, about that myself. That kind of bug you. <laughs> and forty five yeah, minutes later, we're still just like, here. Mm, just, mm. Um, I I probably spend a little bit too much time on my phone, and I still have that ingrained um, busyness within me. In the sense of, I've definitely slowed down so much compared to what I used to be. But when I tell people what I do in the day, they're like, "Oh my god, that's my whole week." So it's not necessarily something that I don't like about myself because it definitely means that I get things done, but I'm continually, my continual practice is working on coming back and that's why I meditate twice a day because if I didn't have that, I'd be insane. So it's coming back to, okay, how are you slowing down? How are you embodying all these things that you're learning? And then how are you integrating that so that you can still live a successful lifestyle and do all the business things, but you're not running that rat race? Yeah. I like it. Um, okay, Margatsny, I like asking this question. So yeah. I want to know what Margatsny looks like for you. So Margatsny, I've come up is. with it. I'm proud of it. You can see I'm kind of a bit smug about it. Margatsny is, is, is Instagram backwards. So I want to, I want to see, talk me through your Instagram feed when life is not going well for you. Because yeah. Instagram, awesome. We show the best parts of our lives, but Great. That's 97% of the time. Read some of my posts. You can see the dark times. Tell, okay. Yeah. For the audience, tell us what, give us, have a look at the little cubes that show what is, what, what are you doing in those cubes when life just completely sucks? Yeah. There's usually, when I'm in that place, I've done a couple of things where I'll like share a story and be like, hey guys, sometimes life doesn't always go your way. I've had a really good day, this, that, and the other. And the response I get back from that is amazing. People are like, thank you for saying this. I was feeling the same thing. There's so much pressure to be perfect and live your best life. But on those little cubes, you'll see that when I'm going through something and like when something's really heavy, the thoughts that I have, uh, and it's me, it's coming back to, okay, shit's gotten really real. What are the practices? What are the teachings that I've come back to? And I'll go back to one of those teachings and then I'll end up writing a post about that. And it will be something around looking at the shadow side or whatever it is and, and bringing light to that or whatever it is that I'm trying to work on embodying at that moment, I'll end up sharing. So you can see, and I had it had a bit of a dark period towards the end of last year and a few people that follow me quite regularly are like, hey, you okay? I've noticed your last few posts have been a little bit less joyful and, you know, spreading light in the world yeah, and a little bit deeper. And, yeah, and, and people rec- people pick it up and it's like, yeah, you know, I've been processing some stuff and, you know, it's been things things have been a little heavy and that's, again, what we were saying before, you can't have – Life isn't always sunshine, lollipops and rainbows because you have to have the contrast. So you have to experience those times of trials and tribulations and whatever the perceived darkness to be able to shine light onto it. And so, yeah, you'll see in my Instagram posts that things get a little darker. Um, I mean, you can call it darker or whatever you want to call it, but there's that clearly that time where it's like, oh, she's going through something. This is This is maybe a little bit more emotive or it's got a little bit more depth than just kind of love and light. Nice. Bang. After you do the big question, we've got to get Emma's details. So if anyone wants to. Yeah, of course. All of our thousands are listening. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, a little bit dark, but sort of, so on your deathbed, Ooh. years from now, obviously, what, what's something that right now you would have hoped you've achieved? 
But yeah, if you look, if you're you move forward in time, you're looking back at yourself now. What what what's something you really want to get done before before you pass? Yeah. And that's the second part of the question. So, one of the things that I kind of live by is be who you are, and I don't think that you ever get to your deathbed and particularly think like you know, yeah, I killed it that business and I sold that for a million dollars and that was amazing. For me, it's like, what was the impact that I had on the people around me and was I actually able to show them love and to bring them into a place where they actually know themselves? And if, if I'm laying on my deathbed and I'm thinking back and going, did I impact the world in a way that made people wake up a little bit? And if the answer is yes, I'll be like, And then knowing the biggest regret of the dying is living a life not true to yourself and your own values. Mm. Are you doing? Would you say you're doing that now? I say I'd say I'm doing that now. If I if I was on my deathbed right now, I'd be like, okay, I didn't get to exactly where I would have liked to see this go, but I feel pretty happy that I made those changes so early on because that's you know I was really young when I made all those changes. I wasn't 45 going through that kind of midlife point. It was you know I was like. between the ages of 21 to 23 when I was waking up. Um, And so it's kind of um, I'm really grateful that that happened young because it's continuing to evolve and I'm, you know, continuing to learn and grow so much every day. And so, yeah, I'd be really curious to see where I get to at that point. But for me it's really about I feel like my role is to share what I'm doing and share the way that I'm living and be kind of like a bit of a test guinea pig for other people to go, yeah, like that bit, like that bit, you know, and then model their own life off that and create your own lifestyle. You know, you have that power within you, but then also valuing what's important to you, love and family and connection and that community of people that are around you that you authentically hold up, I think is really powerful. So I feel like I've definitely done that and I'm on that path. I'd like to see it through a little bit more. I'm not going to touch some wood or something <laughs> and walk out of here. Um, but, yeah, I, I would have no regrets at any point. Awesome. Now. Well, Emma, where can, uh, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's Emma Maidment with an underscore at the end. Otherwise, you can head to my website, emmamaidment.com, and that has links to all my retreat staff, all the businesses, all the things are kind of on that one page, and you can find out anything you want to know. You can send me an email, and I'll tell you all about it. Perfect. Great. Thank you, Emma. Thanks for um, having me. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Bye. Bye.